Hey there. Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. So I want to I share, I want to talk to you about this man named Abraham. And I'm going to summarize his story that was found in Romans chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul who is speaking. And he's summarizing the story of Abraham. And so we're going to outline the story of Abraham throughout this entire message. But here's how the Apostle Paul summarizes it. He says, we, now I'm going to read from the message translation. It says, we call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint. But because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. That relates to me so much because I know that I was a nobody outside of Christ. But then God saw the nobody in me and he turned me into a somebody. I want to let you know wherever you are today, I don't care how down you feel, especially those that are watching me online, that you're maybe incubated somewhere in, in private and you're scared to come out. I'm speaking to you right now that God will turn your nobody, your nothing into somebody. Isn't that what we've always read in scriptures that God saying to Abraham, I set you up as a father. I love the language there. It says, I set you up. You thought it was a setback, what was happening to you. I want to let you know that it is a setup for the promises of God that he has prepared for you. There's somebody here that you, man, I have, this is not even part of my note, Anthony. This is just what the spirit of God is saying to you right now. It says that he set Abraham up to be a father. Father, he set you up. You thought it was a setback, but I came to tell somebody that it is a setup for your promise to be manifested. Set up as the father of many nations. Abraham was first named father and then he became father. He, he was first named father and then he became what he was named. Because he dared to trust God to do what only God can do. Do we have anybody in this place that is willing to dare trust God to do what only he can do? When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Decided to to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do. Did you see that? That Abraham decided to not live a certain way. Abraham, he made a decision that there's a certain way I'm not going to live. He says he's not going to live based upon what he sees that he can't do. But he said that he's going to live by what God said he would do. And so he made a father of a multitude of peoples. And God himself said to him, you're going to have, here's the promise, a big family. In another verse in Hebrew, it says that your, your descendants will be like the sands in the seashore. It says like the stars in the heavens, so shall be your descendants. 
and that was the promise. And it's an amazing poetic form of expressing Abraham's journey. But I want to let you know right now, if you read from Genesis to eight, from eight, Genesis 18 to Genesis 25, you will start seeing that that journey doesn't seem so poetic. That God made a promise to Abraham, but it was a 25-year journey. That Abraham is 75 years old. God makes him a promise that you will be a father of many nations, but then yet, yet he's 76, and he's 77, and he's 78, and he's 79, and he's 80, and he's 81, and the promise has not manifested yet. And so here's what I want to speak to you right now. This is today's message. I want you to write this title down. It's a very long title, so write it down. Here it goes. What do you do when it hasn't happened yet? God, what do I do when it hasn't happened yet? I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him the title to today's message. Tell him, God, what do I do when it hasn't happened yet? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord God, that in the midst of what seemed like nothing, you spoke into our lives and you created something out of nothing. I pray that this message may go forth and pierce the heart of the listeners today, Lord. Everybody here at Kuhau and those watching online, in Jesus' name we thank you. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a strong clap offering? Also, birthday shout-outs. Today is event. We have event this weekend who turned 25. We have Sheila who turned 50. I can say that because I want to look like that when I'm 50. Come on, somebody. We got a young-looking church. You know what I'm saying? People are like, you got a long... I'm like, no, we old. We just look young. Like, Yo, you just, you're just like a young pastor. I'm like, no, we just, we just look young. We're the same age, brother. I told a pastor one time, he was like, oh, you young guys. I'm like, we were born in 82, bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Have you ever given, uh, have you ever had to give a fake excuse? Oh, I love the honest people in the house. That's what I'm talking about. I love it. I love the honest people in the house. Have you ever had to give a fake excuse? Like, I've had to give some fake excuses. I'm telling you, there's some of us that we're good at giving fake excuses. You know, Lisa, professional in giving fake excuses. Like, I, I, Lisa hates the way I drive. She hates the way I drive. And sometimes I could see her in the corner and she's just pistol. She's there and she's trying to be nice about it. You know when you're trying to be nice but you are burning on fire on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're just burning up and you're trying to be nice. It comes out with your teeth clenched. I you know what I'm talking? And, and Lisa professional and she'll be upset while I'm driving and just to kind of like, you know, nudge her a little bit, I'll pull up to the red light and I'll be like, kiss me baby. She's a professor. She don't want to say, no, I don't want to kiss you because I'm upset at you right now and your driving is driving me crazy and I don't know, I'm tired of this. She don't want to say that, so she goes, fake excuse, here we go. Oh, baby, the green light, it just turned green light. You got to go. Baby, look, keep your eyes on the road. You can't be kissing me. Keep your eyes on the road. Come on. Come on. Fake excuse. 
Houston, now I'll be like, all right, all right. So I pull up to the next red light, you know, and you got a minute and a half at least. All right, you got a minute and a half to make out with me. <laughs> minute and a half, and I'm like, baby, give me a kiss. And she's all, ooh, she's boiling up. And she'll be like, no, baby, my, you know, my breath, I just ate onions. I'm like, bring in the onions. <laughs> and she's like, and she's like, no, baby, I can't, I can't, I can't. Baby, and you, know, uh, my, you know, my mouth feels, uh, 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 and I'm like, you lying devil. Fake excuses, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm full of them too. I, when you don't want to do something, come on, somebody, when you don't want to do something, you give fake excuses. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I mean? I give the fake excuses, like Lisa will be like, hey, can you do the dishes? And you know what I say? I'm like, hey, that's not my spiritual gift. <laughs> She'd be like, hey, can you do the dishes? And I'd be like, hey, it's, uh, I got an excuse for every day of the week. I'm telling you, I've mastered this thing. Every day of the week, it's Monday. Baby, I can't. I have to teach at Matrix. <laughs> Tuesday, come around. Baby, I need you to do the dishes. And I'm like, baby, I can't. I'm preparing for the leadership right now. And you need to... <laughs> Wednesday will come, and she'll be like, baby, I need you to do the dishes. And I'm like, baby, it's praying night. She's like, you're not even doing praying night. I said, yeah, but I got to pray for the people that are doing prayer night. Come on, come an excuse but let me tell you worse than making fake excuses is making promises that you can't keep Ooh, I heard all the ladies feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this house and they were like I worse than making fake excuses is making promises you can't keep everybody men you felt the thud of that message right there because let me tell you, like, those dishes that Lisa asks me to do, she's asked me several times to do them. And, and I've been like, baby, I'm going to do them. I see, the, I see the dishes and I see your pain. I got you. I'm going to do it. And she's like, baby, but for real? Are you going to do the dishes for me? And I'm like, honey, of course I'm going to do the dishes for you. And she's like, no, baby, I'm serious. Like, I don't want to wake up in the morning and have to see the sink filled with dishes. I want to be able to go to sleep knowing that the dishes will be done. And I'm like, baby, I got you. I'm going to do the dishes, baby. If I say it, it's going to happen. If I declare it, I'm going to be, you could take it to the bank, baby. I'm going to do the dishes. Three hours later, what had happened was, is that I was watching a movie until the, the movie was watching me. And what happens is that you get up, you know what I'm talking about, like you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're a little disoriented, you know, you know, and I just found my way to the, the bed because it was calling me, I was exhausted, I was tired, I saw the dishes, but I was exhausted and I was tired, and I went to bed. I, I promise, call this the marriage counseling session. I'm saving some marriages right now, come on, along with saving souls. And, and, and Lisa wakes up and she'll see the dishes and then there's another promise that's unfulfilled. Baby, I promise I will do the dishes, but I was too tired when it came to deliver the promise for the dishes to be done. And, and Lee, I, lo I love Lee because she'd be like, you know what, baby, it's just better that you won't even promise it to me. Oh, look at the ladies. They're like, mm-hmm. I see them online. I see them right through the lens. They're like, mm-hmm. Preach it. What happens to you? I'd rather you not tell me that you're going to promise and do something. I'd rather you not tell me than you tell me that you're going to do it and not deliver on your promise. See, I'd rather do it myself. Just let me do the dishes. I will do the dishes myself. Don't even tell me. See, because I'm willing to do the dishes. But the moment you promise that you're going to do the dishes, I'm placing my faith in you to do the dishes. And so I'm going to sleep thinking that you're going to deliver on your promise. Just don't tell me you're going to do the dishes.
How many, how many can relate to that sentiment? Look, all the ladies' hands went up, but the fellas are like, Pastor, you're getting me in trouble right now. And here's what tends to happen nine out of ten times. Lisa won't even believe me anymore because after ten years of marriage and after ten years of not delivering on the promises that I've made, Lisa will do the dishes nine times out of ten. She'll be like, forget it, I'll just do it. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to put myself through that and have to wake up and see these diabolical dishes in the sink. And she'll do it nine out of ten times because I've made promises that I didn't keep. See, I think that what happens sometimes in our experiences is that we've all experienced promises that were made and then promises that were never kept. We experience these promises where people say that they're going to do something uh, for us, they're going to do something, they're going to give us something, they're going to promise you something. But when it comes to time to deliver on the promise, they end up not fulfilling the promise. And unfortunately, what happens is human tendency is that we, we take our human experiences with fallen with the character of fallen humanity, and we begin to project it on God. And because man has failed us, and because people have failed us, then we project that on God, and when God makes a declaration and he delays on it, we think that God is like man, and he's not going to fulfill what he said that he will do. You see, here's the thing. I was tired when it was time to deliver on my promise. But here's the difference between God and I. That God doesn't sleep or slumber. That God is not a man that he should lie. See, we say things we don't mean all the time. But when God says something, he means it with everything. See, we change our mind when we say things from the time that we said it to the time that we have to deliver it. But God doesn't change his mind. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And if God has made a promise over your life, I want to reassure you today that he is not a man that goes by feelings. He's not a man that he will get tired. He's not a man that he will change his mind, but he will continue to be faithful. And he's as committed as the time that he said it till the time that he manifests it. God is faithful. If God says it, he will complete it. And this is what happens when we see the story of Abraham. I look at the story of Abraham and God has made Abraham a promise. According to Romans, Hebrews chapter 11, it says Abraham was too old to have children. Anybody know? There was no special pills you could take in those times. Abraham was too old to have children. But from the, this one man came a family with as many in it as the scar stars in the sky and as many as the sand by the sea. See, the author of Hebrew wraps up this promise in one sentence and he says, listen, Abraham and Sarah could not have children. But in the midst of them not have, being able to have children, in other words, they tried to have children and were not able to have children. But in the midst of that, God says, you will not only bear children, but you will be the father of many nations. Can you imagine that amazing promise that God makes 
to Abraham. He's like, man, he, I, I could imagine 75 years old and I have no children. And I'm like, all I want is a, is a child to bear my name. All I want a child is to bear my legacy. All I want is a child to continue the family line. And God comes at 75 years old and he gives him a promise. He says, listen, you're going to have a child. But he doesn't just say you're going to have a child. He doesn't just make him a promise. He makes them this magnificent, amazing promise. And he says, you're going to have a promise. I want you to look at the sands in the seashore when you go to the beach. And I want you to start counting the sand. And you're going to be there forever. Because that's the same thing that you're going to see with your descendants. That they're going to be here forever. And as many as the sands in the sea that you see, you will also have in descendants. I want you to look at night. Look at the stars in the sky. And you're going to see the moon. But you're also going to see the stars. Try to count those stars. Because that's how many descendants you will have. Woo! What an amazing promise. I'm like, wow, that's an amazing promise that God gives. And God gives this promise to Abraham at 75 years old, but then Abraham turned 76, and it didn't happen yet. Then he turned 77, and he, it didn't happen yet. And I'm looking at Sarah, and she's looking at, at me, and I'm like, hey, God, God, God said that we're going to have descendants. God said that we're going to have a child. God said that there's a promised child that is, that is within us. And God said, God said, God said. But then I turned 78. See, see, when God told me to be a pastor at 18 years old, I was all fired up. But then last year I turned 38. And there's something about time and distance that starts making you doubt what God said. But God is not limited to time and distance and space. God gives them a promise, and this is the timeline. I want to give it to you right now. That he's now 76, 77. At 86 years old, Abraham and his wife are looking at each other. And, and, and I could see Sarah's like, hey, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe, maybe I'm the one that has the issue here. Maybe I want you to go and, and lay with my servant girl. Her name is Hagar. Lay with her. And I love, if I'm Abraham, I'm like, I don't know what you speak of, Hagar. I've never seen a servant girl around here named Hagar. She's like, yeah, I want you to go sleep with her. I, I saw you like three of her pictures from three years ago. You, and I, you was keeping an eye on her. I want, I want go lay down. And I think that Abraham, I think at this moment, Abraham is going to be like, I will not do such a thing. I forbid we are going to stick to the promise. But no, Abraham's like, All right, I'm going to take one for the team. I got us, all right? I got us. I was going to say something silly. I was thinking of you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sarah. Some of us got that late. Um, so Sarah, go sleep with Hagar. And then what happens is he goes and sleeps with Hagar. has a child with Hagar. And then Sarah gets jealous at Hagar. Look at the 25-year journey. Sarah gets angry at Hagar. And that is the first time you see a picture of baby mama drama. So next time you're going through baby daddy issues and baby daddy and baby mama drama, you can say, it's biblical. It's biblical. It's part of your promise. It's part of your journey. Come on, somebody. I feel encouraged right now just like that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But what happens, years go by, and the, I have a Nishmael, but, I, but that's not the promise. Because the promise not, was not with Abram and Hagar. The promise was with Abraham and Sarah. 
And it doesn't mean that Ishmael was bad and Ishmael, it just means that Ishmael was not a byproduct of what God was promising Abraham. And see, here, here's the thing, what happens that, that it takes from, from the time he had Ishmael to the time that he had Isaac, 13 other years went by and now Abram, Abraham is 99 years old. Not until a year later, he's about 100 years old when he has his first or the first promised child of, uh, uh, with Sarai named Isaac. And I'm just like, God, why didn't you just make the promise? And poof, it came out. Like in this position, I want to be honest, I'm like, like, I'm like Lisa here. I'm like, God, sometimes I'm like, why do you declare something over my life and then I have to wait to see it manifest? Like, God, I, God, I'd rather you not tell me. And I'd rather it just happen by chance. And, but oftentimes, see, what God does is that God will give you a winning lotto ticket, and he says, I want you to be patient and hold it. And what God begins to do is that God begins to escort you from the time that he declares his promise over your life. He begins to escort you into something called the waiting season. Someone shout the waiting season. See, see, there's a place that exists. God, what do I do when it hasn't happened yet? What God does is that he places you in a waiting season. I don't know if there's anybody here that's in a waiting season, but there's a place that exists that you're in the waiting season. And the waiting season is the place that exists that's between what God has declared and your destiny over God's destiny over your life. It's the place that God has spoken a word and God's word hasn't manifested yet. It's the waiting season. It's called the process. See, because oftentimes we want the promise, but God says, I am, I am placing you in a process that will make you the proper recipient to possess the promise that I have in store for you. <laughs> and many times we, have the, we want the promise, but Abram would ne have never been able to receive the promise. It was Abraham that needed to receive it. Ooh, look, look what Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36, it says, for, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. It says you have need of something, that after you have done the will of God, you still need something, and it's called endurance. What God is saying is that you can be doing his will, but you still need a quality called patience and endurance and perseverance in order for you to obtain. Why? Because after you've done his will, it's in the perseverance, it's in the, the endurance, it's in the waiting where God begins to change you. You see, waiting is not about what you're going to get after the wait. Waiting is about who, will, who you will become at the end of the journey. And he puts you through this process. And I think there's some things that we can learn from Ishmael. We can learn from Abraham here. Because I could hear so many times how I've complained and I've, and I've asked God, like, God, why isn't this happening yet? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like, man, I kind of saw, you look at your kids now, I look at my son, he's going to be 16 years old this year, and I look at him, and there's some things that they, your children end up becoming a, a really healthy reminder of what you thought your plans were going to be by the time you thought they were, they, they were going to be that age. 
It's like, oh, I thought by this time that this would happen. I thought by this time this was going to be manifested already. I thought that certain things would be looking different and, and they're getting older. And the promise doesn't seem like it's coming. And it feels like God has delayed on the promise. But I want to let somebody know here that a waiting season is not a wasted season. See, some of us are throwing away our waiting season because we can't just wait to get to it, a private jet to the promise. And God is saying, no, you're missing out on the whole journey. See, some of us want to be at the promise already, but, but here's the thing, that, 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 that if you just want the promise, what happens is this is human tendency, this is human nature at its best, that God gives us a promise. And what does Abram begin to do? He begins to try to manifest the promise on its own. And human, human tendency is to do this. Our knee-jerk reaction is like, oh God, thank you for the promise, but now I'm going to take things in my own hands. I think you need a little help. So oftentimes God is saying, no, I have a promise. And the difference between you manifesting an Isaac in your life and an Ishmael in your life is the waiting period. See, so many of us, we want the promised relationship, but we're not ready for the promised relationship. So we take things in our own hands and try to manifest our own promised relationship and then ask why, God, am I producing an Ishmael? See, the reason that Abraham produced an Ishmael was because he was Abram. And what God had to do in the waiting period was to change Abram into Abraham. I want to let you know right now that God is using this waiting season in your life. And you're looking at your waiting season. And you're looking at your waiting season. And you're looking at it and you're saying, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe. But God, you promised. But God, you said. And, and, and you're in your waiting season. But you need to start declaring, listen, I'm not done. I'm just in my waiting season. It's not over. I'm just in my waiting season. The chapter's not written. I'm just in my waiting season. This is not done. I'm just in my waiting season. And in my waiting season, I don't know who I'm speaking to today. But in my waiting season, God is doing such a work in me. God is transforming me. God is healing me so that when it's time that I will become the proper recipient to receive all that God has made available for me. If you believe that in this place, I dare you to open up your mouth and give God. I'm in my waiting season. are willing to wait for a certain amount of time. God, I'll wait for you for three years. I'll wait for you for five years. But what if it's 25 years? It ended up costing him him giving birth to an Ishmael. It ended up costing him drama and headaches. Why? Because he got ahead of God's word. God, what do I do when it hasn't happened yet? And that it is the promise, that it is what God has declared over your life, that it is, it's, it's the thing that you're believing God for. And here's, here's what I want to give you. I want to let you know that what do you do when it hasn't happened yet? You wait on God and let God use the waiting season in your life to make you the proper recipient to receive the promise that he's about to manifest. But what can I do practically? And here's what I want to give you. 
I want to give you three quick points in the next 17 minutes. Here we go. Ready? Number one, write this down. I want you to confess the promise. Confess. Someone shall confess God's promise. See, this is, this is oftentimes the difference between where you are and where you're headed. Oftentimes, the difference between where you are and where you're headed is what you're confessing. See, because so many of us, when we are waiting and it hasn't happened yet, we end up doing one of two things. We end up either complaining about our problems. God, why am I here? Why is this happening? Or we end up criticizing the people around us. Mm. Whew, that was good even that. Yeah, to speak that on the <laughs> mic. Come on, somebody. And let me tell you, if you're not careful, you'll let a spirit come upon you that you'll start complaining about your problems. You'll start gossiping about people and you are in the middle of your process and you're allowing that process to be wasted because you're not allowing the spirit of God to lead you in the middle, in the middle of the process. So oftentimes the difference between where you are and you being stuck there or moving forward to where God wants you to go is what you are confessing. And this is not news for anybody. Let's be honest. We all know that we need to get better. What comes out of that? But I wonder what it would look like in the next seven days that if you decided that the things that were going to come out of your mouth were not the things that are going to complain about my problems or criticize the people around us. But you said that I'm going to confess God's promise over my life. I'm going to confess what he's declared. I'm going to confess what he said. I'm going to confess. Watch this. Romans chapter 4, it says Abraham was first named father and then became a father. Did you catch that? It says he was named father and then he became what he was named. Because he dared to trust God to do what God could do. Raise the dead to life with a word, make something out of nothing. See, he spoke that Abraham would be a father, and then Abraham became that. It says that God, with his word, spoke, not, spoke something out of nothing. I want you to get this picture. There are some of us today that are looking at the nothing around us. There's some of us today that we are looking at, the, at the, what we have perceived as the nothing around us and we tend to criticize and we tend to complain. But what if you looked at the nothing around you and began to speak something into it? Here's the picture that God is saying right here in Romans. It says, it says that God saw nothing and became, began to speak to the nothing. And when he began to speak to the nothing, he was speaking to the nothing as if the something had already manifested. I wonder what it would look like in your life that if you begin to speak to what you see as nothing and you begin to speak something into it and you begin to speak like if the something had already manifested and it's something out of this some people here you're looking at your kids and it looks like nothing I dare you to speak to your nothing I dare you to speak to your nothing and you say no you are not gonna be taken by Satan but you are gonna be kept by the promise of God for me in my house, we will serve God. Maybe you're at a, a job you don't like. And instead of criticizing people and complaining about your problems, you look at your job and you say, I'm going to confess God's promise that I'm just here for a season. I'm just here for a time. 
This might be my waiting period. This might not feel like I'm, I'm anointed. This might not feel like, like I'm called. This might not feel like I'm, 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 I'm the head and not the tail. This might not feel like that, but I'm going to begin, I'm going to begin to speak life into this situation. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. I dare you to stop speaking death into your nothing, and I dare you to start speaking life into your nothing. I dare you to speak life into your circumstances, life over your family, life over your job, life over your finances, and see if not, God's promise will manifest. God is saying today that in the same way that he spoke to the nothing, that we can speak into the nothing. You know what that means? It means that no matter how bad and terrible your situation looks like, it means that no matter how impossible it looks like, it, is, it means that no matter how end, conclusive, done it looks like. You can speak into it. This is why we sing that song and this is why God told Ezekiel, you can, you can look at these dry bones and say that they live. This wasn't a dead corpse. This wasn't Lazarus who was dead for four days. This had been an army that was dead for decades that were, were bones. They were only a valley of dry bones, which means that they weren't wet bones, which means that this wasn't a death that just took place and it just happened. No, this was death that took place and had been dead for some time. And even in the midst of your nothing and your dead places, that God can use you to speak in the middle of your situation. And you can say, dry bones live. What do I do when it hasn't happened yet? The thing that I'm believing you for, what do I do? I, I confess God's promise. Number two, I want you to write this down. What do I, well, you, you want to know, God, what do I do when it hasn't happened yet? Write this down. Don't isolate yourself from community. Don't isolate yourself from community. See, when it hasn't happened, when the promise hasn't manifested, don't isolate yourself from community. You're going to need community to arrive at the promised land. Can I be so bold to say this to our church here in person and our church online? Can I? Listen, if we're not careful, COVID will have us isolating ourselves from people. Political opinions and views will have us isolating ourselves from people. And, and the enemy will use people to keep us from the promise because he knows if he uses people that you will keep away from people. So listen, I don't, I don't know who I'm speaking to online, but there, there's some of us that you're watching online because of health. And I want to say, if you're watching online because of health, I want to encourage you to continue to watch online. I want to give a shout out to Margarita. Margarita, you're continuously watching. I want to honor you. You're part of the family. I know that we haven't been able to gather today, but you're one of the people that, oh my God, is always in my heart. 
But if you're watching online simply because of habit, simply because you got used to it, simply because you got used to not going to church, simply because four o'clock now becomes an inconvenience, let me tell you something. There's a spirit that's on people right now that is just like, I, I, I don't need people in my life. If you are tuning in online simply because I have it, can I be so bold to get in your face and say, please, you need community. You need to be in the building. You need, don't isolate yourself. See, the Bible says that these men came towards Abraham. I love this because they came around Abraham and they said, Abraham, a year from now, you're going to have the promise. And the Bible says that he was 99 years old. And I'm just like, yo, at 99 years old, what even matters at that time? What happened? Like, God, why did you wait, make me wait this long? I could see Abraham at this moment maybe giving up. Like, I'm 99. I'm good with Ishmael. In fact, the Bible says that Abraham prayed that Ishmael would be the promised one. See, because sometimes in the middle of the wait, you get so connected to, you get so connected to the thing that you manifested that you start doubt Godding that he will ever manifest. And you're saying, God, bless this. And God is saying, no, I had a relationship for you. But you're like, no, I want you to bless this relationship because i am already been here for too long. I'm already used to doing things this way. God, would you bless this? And God is saying, I'll have mercy on that. But my blessing is still coming. I'll have mercy on that. I'll have grace on that. But grace is also going to produce the promise. And the Bible says that these men came around Abraham. Men, can I tell you, you need men to come around you. Women, can I tell you, you need women to come around you. I don't, I come against that spirit of I don't need anybody. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I come against the spirit of I don't need anybody. Can't nobody tell me what to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, Lord, that we cast that spirit out in the name of Jesus what happens when I don't preach for three weeks and I'm fasting for seven days. Don't isolate yourself, church. Because these people came into his life to remind him what God had already promised him over 24 years. I want to tell you right now that there are some people that God is bringing in your life to remind you that in the moment you feel like you're not called, in the moments you feel like giving up, in the moments you feel like you can't make it, that God is placing a community around you to remind you, no, you're still called, buddy. No, you still got a purpose, buddy. No, guess what? I'm going to get in your face and I'm going to say, you can't do that, buddy. Why? Because you're self-sabotaging, because you're getting in the way of the promise, but I'm here to stand in the gap for you and say, listen, man, God has still called you and God still has a purpose and stop... say this so boldly church can we stop getting upset at the people that got us placed to push us towards the promise can we stop getting upset at the people that God has called us that has called into our lives to push us to the promise it's just annoying I gotta hear it all the time yeah I'm pushing you to the promise 
Yeah, I'm going to remind you what God said to you five years ago that you still haven't done from five years ago. Yeah, I'm going to remind you what God said to you, what he promised you ten years ago, and you let go of, I'm letting you know, listen, a year from now, 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 everything you doubted God on is going to be manifested, not because of your goodness, because of his goodness. Often God sends people into our lives to promote us into the promise. And oftentimes, because of our emotional baggage, we demote them from being that person. So many people that God has sent are in our lives, and we've the people that God has sent in our lives to promote us, we end up demoting them. Because we take the word that they've spoken as if it's just the word that they've spoken, not as if it's God who's spoken it. See those three men that came alongside Abraham? They were just speaking what God had already told Abraham. He had just forgotten it, but they were just declaring what God had already said. So it's as if God has already spoken it. You can do more. You can be better. When you allow yourself to be led by community. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Eyes on Christ. Eyes on Christ. God, what do I do? What do I do, God, when it hasn't happened yet? It's been 10 years and it hasn't happened yet. Like, look, look, look at all these Ishmaels. God, I got all these Ishmaels. Can you just bless one of these bad boys? Like I'm good. Yeah, I felt like that. God, just do it here. I'm good. Don't worry about it. I don't need the descendants. I don't need, I don't need a, I don't need a, a seashore. I just need a, a playpen of sand. God, God, I'm good. I don't need all the stars. I just need one. Matter of fact, just give me the glow in the dark one, the glow, the glow in the dark ones, and I'll hang on. I'm good with that, God. What do you do when God, when, when it hasn't happened yet, God? God, what do I do? This is what He tells you. He tells you, confess my promise. Whatever you do, don't stop confessing my promise. Every day, I wonder what it looked like. Seven days, read these next seven days. Start confessing the promises of God. Confess them. Confess them. Confess them. Even when you see nothing, confess them. We get tired of confessing. I know, I know, I know. But, but the Bible says that if you know not what to do, just confess. But I confessed already. Yeah, but you stopped confessing. Keep confessing. Second thing, don't isolate yourself. I know you're going you're to want to be alone. I know you're going to think that nobody understands you. I know you're going to think that nobody gets you. That's the biggest lie of Satan. He'll have you feeling making you feel like you're the throne, you're the king of your own castle. And he'll say, listen, nobody understands you. Nobody gets you. Nobody feels your pain. That's a lie of the enemy. You're not the only one that's going through what you're going through. Don't isolate yourself from community. And last thing, eyes on Christ. I know there's going to be distractions, but eyes on Christ. 
I know that there's going to be opportunities for eyes on Christ. I know that there's going to be people speaking on your ear and saying, hey, you should do this, and you should do that, and you should, no, eyes on Christ. Hey, you know what? I know you're not having a kid right now, but you know what would produce a kid? If you slept with Hagar. Oh, you know what would produce a kid? If you did this. You know what would produce the promise? If you did this. And all you got to do is eyes on Christ. 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 Watch this. Watch this. Why? Why? Watch. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For now, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken. You know what the amen? It's confessing God's promise. Amen is saying, so let it be. So you're confessing God's promise. Is spoken by us to the glory of God. This is why it's so powerful that when you hear the preacher preaching, you say amen because you're saying, let it be, Lord. Let it be. I come in agreement with that. Amen, Lord. I come in agreement with that. Watch this. When your eyes are locked in on Christ, here's the secret. Here's the, here's the secret. I'm going to tell you right now. This is a cheat code right here. Eyes on Christ. Why? Because what happens is that the enemy will make the promise in your eyes more valuable than the promise giver. See, if the enemy can't distract you, he'll start magnifying the promise to be more valuable than the promise giver. But when your eyes are on Christ, you're able to see that every promise, no matter how many promises are made, it says, no matter how many promises are made, it says, no matter how many promises are made, it says, it says that you can see your yes in Christ. In other words, that as long as I'm focused on Christ, the promise is guaranteed to manifest itself because I'm not placing greater value on the promise. I'm placing greater value on the promise keeper. And if my value on the promise keeper is great, then I know that he is faithful to complete the promise that he said, I don't know who else. chapter 8 watch this they came to Jesus and they're like you're not God you're not no promise keeper you're not no history maker you're not no world changer you ain't, not, you ain't no chain breaker you are not the son of God it says your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see, Woo! that he would see my day, that he would see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Did you get the picture? That Abraham, in the midst of his doubt, what kept him going, what kept him going beyond his inability, was that somehow he was able to see something that was greater than the promise. See, the promise wasn't that he will have an Isaac. 
but the promise was that Isaac will have descendants and his descendants would bring forth the Savior and his name is Jesus and he's the Savior of the universe and if he died for you that means that he will give you your promise and if he resurrected for you that means that he will give you a promise is there anybody in this place that is willing to say eyes on Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.